West Bowles. Good morning. Uh, I know what some of you are thinking right now. Meredith? Um, it's a common mistake. We just we get mistaken for each other all the time. I am not Meredith. My, if we haven't met, I'm Nathan. I get to be the pastor here at the church. But uh, before I introduce Meredith, I want you to real quick, will you give a hand to our worship team and Emily and Mitch for bringing worship to us? Well, some of you know Meredith, who's about to come up here, um, as Meredith Sexton. And some of you know her as Meredith McCaw. Some of you know Meredith uh, from her time teaching in Jeffco schools. Some of you know her from her time serving here in the children's ministries. And some of you know her from her time um, leading in one of the home builders groups here. And then some of you don't know Meredith, and uh, you need to. And here's why. Because Meredith's story has something very unique to it. It has been intersected by the Word of God. And any time the Word of God intersects with a person's story, it becomes his testimony. And so that's what you're going to hear in just a moment here as we continue um, hearing from some different voices in the church in life verses. And so will you join me in welcoming Meredith out this morning? Come on out, Meredith. happening. Okay, good morning, West Bowles, and um, visitors to West Bowles. Um, as Nathan said, I am Meredith, and um, it is a pl- privilege to be here. I'm very excited to be here. I'm also very nervous because I'm used to only being in front of um, crowds under the age of 12. So it's, it's a little scary. It's a little different. Um, but like I said, I'm also super excited. And I, I have a friend named Kate who um, gives me signs as presents. And I don't even know if she knows this, but she, she gives me these great signs that have cool words on them. And I wanted to bring this in to show you just, just how excited I am to be up here today to be talking to you. <laughs> it says, keep calm. Seriously, calm down. So if anybody knows Kate, they can probably hear her voice saying that. Seriously, calm down. Calm down. Okay. So currently I'm a student at Denver Seminary, and I have about a year left until I will graduate. I started in biblical and theological studies and then ended up in the counseling program. So when I graduate, hopefully in a year, um, I'll have kind of like a, a major in in um, counseling with kind of a minor in biblical and theological studies. And that's been a really, really cool blessing and adventure. So I'm going to take you back to a picture. That was that. This is now. This is, this is then. This, I found out, this is a picture of my family in 2013, nine years to the date. So this was exactly nine years ago today. We were on vacation with Mike's family. And in this picture, I have less wrinkles for sure. Um, but so Anna, I was teaching full time, and Mike was working for Bank of America, and oh, little little Anna was just going about to go into first grade, and Jane was about to turn four. So so tiny, so so tiny. Um, and actually, this picture is. It's, kind of, it's a really special picture because it, it was about a year after 
Um, Mike and I had gone through a really, really hard time in our marriage. Um, we like to say that the wheels were coming off of our marriage. It was a real rubber hits the road kind of situation. And um, this was about a year after that. And it's kind of, it's exciting to see this because we were really in a part of our, a part of our lives when um, we really had experienced trans- transformational things with God individually and um, personally, and then we brought that back together, and our marriage was just, I was really excited about um, the miracles that took place in our marriage. And um, so this was a really good time. We were, um, because of the work, the miracles that God had worked in our marriage, um, we began to approach life together with the posture of expectation and excitement and what's next. And um, we kind of got over ourselves and we were just moving forward. We were just so excited. We also felt like maybe God was preparing us for something. We, we, both, we both said it. And teaching was getting a little hard because I found myself kind of torn, you know, always feeling like I wasn't giving enough to my family or giving enough to the kids in my classroom. And so that was hard. So in the back of my mind, I'm like, maybe... Maybe, maybe this means a change from teaching. Or um, Mike was kind of interested in starting his own business at the time, too. Um, but another desire I had, too, I was like, you know what? This just means we can just go help save all the other marriages that we know of, and we can just help everybody else by um, what we've learned. But that wasn't the case. Um, there was a different kind of adventure that was coming around the corner. Um, in November... Um, the beginning of November, after a soccer game, we went home and went to sleep that night, and in, Mike woke up in the middle of the night with really, really bad stomach pains and back pains. He had had some back pain for a while. We weren't really sure what was going on, but this was just really, really severe. Um, so severe that he asked to go to the emergency room. And um, wives, you might know that that means it's serious. They're asking to go because they they don't want to go to the emergency room. So we asked to go to the emergency room. Um, And we got there. And a few days later, he, we received a diagnosis that of stage four, small bowel cancer. And um, our amazing oncologist walked in and told us, she said, well, remission's possible if, if we do some treatments, but really I can't really use the word cure um, in this context at all. So we were staring. It was my biggest fear in the face. Um, But I think both of us, as we look back, as we're standing, I know I felt kind of this, this might sound silly, but a divine thing, like just holding me up by my armpits, like I I was able to stand. Um, And so after that, I think Mike and I, Made, an un- make a- made a look to each other like, this was it. This is what we were being prepared for. And I can't remember if it was at the hospital or if it was after we left, but one of Mike's really, really good friends, Dave, um, gave us a really good, uh, shared a statement with us that really served as a good starting point for the next chapter. And he said, Mike, this is just the next adventure that God has for you and your family. And so, Mike, that's how we decided to approach the next chapter. So following that moment, we were surrounded with family and friends and church family and coworkers, you name it. I mean, we, 
they fed us and continued to feed us for a long time after. Um, so generous, vacations, the, uh, fixing our house, mowing our lawn, um, praying in and around our house for Anna and Jane. Um, really, I could stand up here on this stage all day and just list and list and list and list all the, all the ways that God moved in everyone's heart to just love us and take care of us and provide for us. Um, one of the most, one of the very special ways that people showed up for us was showing up, was just being present, their presence. Um, Amanda, uh, my best friend Amanda, one time we were at the hospital and I was rushing around doing something and I walked out the door and she's just sitting, sitting with her Bible in her lap on a chair. And I said, Amanda, what are you doing here? And she went, shh. No, just ignore me, ignore me, ignore me. She was just there, and she was present, and she was praying. And that's an image I will never, ever, ever forget. Um, And another really precious presence that was a part of this experience was um, Mike's dad, Bruce. Um, Really, out out of everyone, Bruce, his presence was the most comforting for Mike. There were times when... Mike would just be so, you could just see his, the stress in his body, and Bruce would just put his face right up against Mike's face, and you could see Mike's face just calm down right away um, and become more at peace. It was really beautiful and um, something I just so thankful for. Okay, so God began growing our faith and beliefs on the bigness of God. Um, and really, I just started opening up my Bible and almost rereading these stories like it was the first time um, of all the heroes of faith, of Gideon and the Red Sea and, and, our, and, our, and our group of friends. I feel like there was this fun faith kind of generating and growing, too, in our friends. I remember one of Mike's friends, Ken, at Christmas time, said, Oh, my gosh, God put a baby in Mary's belly. Like, he really put a baby. Like, we were all in this, like, we really believe this, and this, this really happened. We, we were just jumping in with both feet in our faith, um, whatever the result was. And it was an exciting time. I would wake up every morning um, kind of in expectation and with, like, this hunger for, um, for what God had to share with me or what he wanted to say to me. And when I closed my eyes at night, I remember just hitting the pillow and praying so hard for a dream where something could be revealed. It was just, it was such a special time. Um, But ultimately, he was growing our faith in huge ways. The first Sunday after Mike's diagnosis, we we came back to church, and um, we were welcomed with lots of hugs and and supportive words and and some, some sad faces, some worried faces. Um, but my friend Jan, I came in and we locked eyes across the room and she smiled at me and she came right over to me and said, so what's God telling you? She was so excited. And if anybody knows Jan, can you hear her saying that? Maybe. Yeah. Um, and I knew she understood exactly what I was starting to discover. She had been through some hard things too in her life and, um, I was discovering what she knew already, which is that the more I kept my eyes on Jesus, the more the stress and the worry and the fear faded away. Um, so I'm thankful for that, Jan. Very thankful. 
So on that note, speaking of eyes on Jesus, we have, we're going to go visit Matthew to read about an adventure on a boat with Peter. So I'm going to turn to Matthew 14, 22 to 24. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd, after he had dismissed them, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So a lot of us know this story, I think, of of Peter walking on the water, but what I didn't know before I looked into this passage was the crazy day he had. This, this was one thing that happened. This is one of a number of crazy things that happened that day. He, when he woke up first thing in the morning, he found out that John the Baptist had died. His cousin, the man who baptized him, and who um, they were friends when they were still in their mommy's wombs. So he's a very, very, very significant person in his life, and he had just died that morning. And after receiving this news, he stumbles upon this large crowd. And that's the crowd that, that they're referring to there. And he said he dismissed the crowd. That crowd is the, the 5,000 that Jesus and his disciples fed. So he finds out that John the Baptist died, comes, comes to this crowd. He's just, prop, I would guess, sick with grief, heavy laden with grief. And his heart just moves to compassion for all of these people, stops what he's doing, and he and the disciples get busy feeding, he does some healing. Um, and then when that day was over, it says in Matthew 2 that he, you know, he said, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I need a minute, I just need a minute. And so he sent the disciples ahead on the boat so he could stay back and have, and have a second. Um, so that's when, then we'll continue until another need came along. So shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come out to the water. Come, he said. And Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. So I'm going to pause right there and get, kind of get back to our story real quick. Um, but like the disciples, in the middle of the sea, the, the fear for us was really, really real. It was really available right in front of our faces. I prayed desperate prayers, and I asked other people to do the same. Um, and every time I did that, the weight of worry always seemed to lighten a little bit. Um, and again, I just continued to hold tight to the stories and the scriptures where God worked with just ordinary people to demonstrate his power and magnitude in totally impossible situations, situations we think would be impossible. Um, I just clung, clung to those stories. Um, And after several months of treatment, we got some great news that he was in complete remission. And, um, yay, that was good. But um, he, he, when he first had his original scan, it lit up like a Christmas tree. And this new scan, there was zero evidence of cancer at all. We could not find any of it at all. Um, so versus the Christmas tree, this was a lot better to look at. And so we celebrated tears of joy. Um, just couldn't stop thanking God for his healing, his protection, 
for moving, again, moving in the hearts of all those people to help us, and, and also the way he had grown our faith, and he'd grown our faith together. Um, so my guess is that's probably a, a little bit the way that Peter felt when he was walking on the water um, to Jesus. Um, three months later, on Anna's last day of first grade, um, we got the news that the cancer had returned for an unwelcome visit. Um, and at this point, I felt like the wind and waves of fear were coming around once again. And this time, my faith was almost beginning to feel like a struggle. Um, and I could almost um, hear Jesus' voice from this next verse. I'm going to read this to you really quick. Okay. I'm sorry. Did I skip that? Okay. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? So just like Peter, I started getting really, really, really scared. And instead of thinking about Jesus in that moment, I was, I think I was thinking, I was trying to generate faith and say, and I could hear Jesus going, imagine his voice going, oh, you're doubting, you're not having faith. And I was in a weird spot thinking I was scared because I wasn't having enough faith. It was all kind of upside down. Um, um, but before I move on, I really, oh, I felt like I was failing in belief. That's what I felt like. Um, and I want to pause really quick. If you look up at the, at the verse, I highlighted the word cried out. Those two words and that kind of phrase is something I'm going to really center in on today um, in, in this talk. But I just wanted to pause and let you, that, let you know that. Um, so it says cry out. Who did Jesus cry out to? Jesus. Who did Peter cry out to? Jesus. He cried out to the Lord. Okay. So that was pretty important. So I'll go back to the story. Okay. So a month or two after that, I was in charge of teaching um, the Bible classes at VBS. And one of the stories of the day that I needed to teach, of course, was the story of Peter. So I put on my teaching hat and I was pretending to be a modern day Peter and pretending like I was Peter and I was showing the kids my iPad of like, look what happened today when I walked on the water with Jesus and, and um, just kind of G- Peter's perspective of what had happened that day. And then I got to the part where I started to sink and I asked, I asked the group, I said, well, guys, what do you, why do you think I started to sink? And um, I was waiting for somebody to raise their hand and say, well, because you got scared. So nobody answered. So I answered for them, and I said, I said, well, I got scared. That's why I started to sink. And this little girl shot her hand up. Her name was Grace, and I think she was in first grade. Um, she looked right at me with these, like, cherubic eyes and just said, no, you just forgot to take your eyes off Jesus. And it was, it just changed everything. It changed my spirit. It changed, um, it, I was lightened, and, and maybe she heard that said in a lesson before, it really doesn't matter, but God used that to remind me that um, I was trying to generate faith on my own, um, all by myself. Um, so the next nine, nine months were filled with divine moments of wonder and gratitude, fear, crying out in fear, sadness, frustration, confusion. Um, and this next picture was taken on January 4th. A lot of us are familiar with that picture. Um, it's exactly 7 o'clock 
a.m. Um, one of Mike's friends was at the hospital and just happened to take that, and then the nurse came around the corner and told them that he had gone to be with Jesus. Um, yeah, I think we broke all sorts of fire codes that night, um, as, as so many of us camped out in the hallways. Um, so, so at that moment, I was a little relieved for him that he didn't have to suffer anymore. Just a tiny part. I was really, I was relieved that this physical suffering had ended. But the bigger part of me, I was completely terrified. So, so scared. Um, what happened to my family? What happened to my family? How am I going to tell Anna and Jane? Who, he's supposed to be with me on her first day of kindergarten. I can't go to her first day of kindergarten without him. Um, just swirling and um, lots and lots of crying, lots and lots of crying out. Um, and as I reflected on all the crying out that I did, um, I decided that I wanted to share with you some of the different types of cries that I kind of encountered and worked through. I want to walk you through them. And I, as I describe them to you, maybe you can think of some crying out you do or make connections with some of these crying out. Um, the first type of crying out that I engaged in, and I still do sometimes, a lot of times, is it says sometimes we cry out for things and people outside of God. Um, through the early months of that gut-wrenching grief, I cried out to many people and things that were outside of God, um, even though I had a front seat to seeing what God could do um, through the experiences I had before, I um, cried out a lot to other people. Um, a lot of times this looked like friends over the phone, um, you know, just upset and disappointed. And sometimes, um, sorry. And sometimes it was even to Mike. There were times when I was calling out his name, saying, you need to be here right now helping me walk your girls through grief for you being gone. Mike, where are you? I cried out to him a lot. Um, and I read a mil- about a million books about life after death and near-death experiences. Um, <laughs> we also, after sometime, a little bit after Mike, Mike passed away, we got a new dog. Um, named Jeter, and I spent a lot of time crying to Jeter, and that poor dog was probably like, what kind of family is this? They just cry all the time. Poor guy. Um, But I think about Peter, too. You know, after all he had seen Jesus do, all the miracles he performed, I mean, just a few chapters earlier, I mean, Peter watched, Peter watched Jesus still the waters. I mean, he had seen them healing. He had seen all these things. So crying out for other things were probably, was probably an option for Peter, too. I think it's what we do. We cry out for things and people that maybe make us feel better or distract us from our fears. Um, Netflix, staying busy, alcohol, shopping, ourselves, our own thinking. Um, which leads me to our second type, the second type of crying out that I did during that time, which was crying out for others. So I, during this season, I was still praying, but really, if I'm honest, my prayers 
consisted, my only interaction with God was, like honest interaction with God was praying for Anna and Jane. I just kind of thought that this is my job now, I just need to pray for Anna and Jane. Um, I don't want to talk to God about anything else, but I will pray for them. Um, perhaps I was trying to be a savior for them, I'm not sure, but I'll, God was, I wasn't with God in that. Um, which leads me to the third type of crying out. Um, crying out about God. So in a positive way, I cried out to God, you know, telling others, oh, God did this, God did that, and I really meant it. It was authentic. I was really grateful for the things that, the ways he was helping us and, and how he was continue to, doing, continuing to protect Anna and Jane and protecting me. And, and there were also, there's a million amazing stories about what happened um, after Mike did go to heaven um, that made me smile. And then with close friends, I would cry out about um, how God had disappointed me and how hurt I was and um, how scared I was. And Peter, if you notice the passage, um, when Peter saw the wind, um, that's all he seemed to see too. So we do a lot of crying about God, especially when he seems unconcerned. Um, So do you know what's interesting about all these types of cries that I just described? Um, like Peter, we eventually, we eventually do become fearful again. It's not that engaging in these kind of cries are bad. It's never bad to get help from others. We need other people. We need support from other people. Um, it's important for us to intercede in prayer for everyone around us. Um, but sometimes we, if we get caught up in those things, we could potentially end up keeping our eyes off of Jesus like Grace from VBS taught me. Um, So the fourth kind of crying out that we also see in this passage is the best kind. And also the kind that God seems to to respond to in Scripture, and also he's responded to this kind of cry in my life too. And this last kind is called, this fourth kind is crying out to God. Um, So I spent time kind of looking like researching and looking into that word, cry out. Um, one really fun thing that I've enjoyed doing in seminary is, um, <laughs> is exploring the Greek and Hebrew language um, that, and nerding out on new phases and new words. And, because the significance, I found that the significance and impact of words can sometimes get lost in the English language. So I discovered that the word for crying out um, the Greek word for crying out is pronounced krazo, but I'm just going to say krazo because it's easier to say right now. Um, and that's the Greek word for crying out. This type of crying out um, in scriptures include, let's see, is that there? So when you hear that word crying out, it's not just an out loud cry. It's their cries that involve deep emotion, stress or pain, an urgent need, a fear, um, authenticity, meaning like nothing's being held back. And it's also an audible cry. That means it's out loud and somebody else can hear it. Um, so those are all descriptions that go along with that word, cry out, that Peter did. And also, too, Jesus did that when he was on the cross after, um, right before his suffering ended. Jesus actually said, use that same phrase, too. And along with our friend David, um, that word crying out, David did a lot of that. And um, if you look at the Psalms, David had no problem sharing, his, sharing the raw contents of his heart and his doubts and his fears and his worries with God. 
So if we go back to Peter, too, we'll notice that um, just, just to kind of reemphasize that a little bit, who did, who did Peter cry out to? Who did Peter cry out to? Jesus. Okay, good. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know why I was hesitant to share my heart with God again. Maybe I thought that my, my feelings, my not-so-good feelings, would can't somehow cancel out the gratitude that I had. Maybe, um, maybe I thought I would hurt God's feelings. Or maybe I was, because I felt like God hurt my feelings. Um, that, would he think I, disrespected, I was disrespecting him? Um, I think part of me, too, wondered if I, if I show him all the, all the things that reveal to him all the things that I'm feeling and thinking, you know, if I was maybe a little nervous that it might become some kind of slippery slope that would lead to me not believing at all. Um, so one night I was reading C.S. Lewis's book, A Grief Observed, and it's, it's a pretty dark book. A lot of people told me not to read it. They're like, oh, that's a little heavy. Don't do that right now. I'll do that later. But I was just hungry for anybody who understood how I felt. And C.S. Lewis, um, I figured I can't go wrong with C.S. Lewis. But I, I didn't know this at the time until I read the book. But he actually lost his, lost his wife. He found out he actually married her when she was in the thick of cancer. Um, so he wrote this book all about its grief and loss. And, um, and the words in this, in this book are real and they're raw. And um, he doesn't hold back from saying how he feels. Um, One of the quotes that was really powerful was that grief feels like fear. And I thought I just really could connect with that. Um, So I decided to write a letter to God. Um, I told him I was angry at him for allowing Mike to suffer. I told him he didn't know what he was doing. I told him the story for my life is better than his. I told him I couldn't trust him with Anna and Jane. I told him how could he make Mike suffer. Um, I'm pretty sure I called him the author of confusion. Um, I was, I was really, it was really mean, but it was really real. Um, but I was surprised because instead of feeling distant, which I had feared from the, letting those words and thoughts and feelings come out, I actually felt more connected with him somehow. Um, and since then I found that sharing the good, the bad, um, the unfiltered bad with God who is worthy of our worship, can lead to deep um, restoration and healing. Um, Which brings me back to the final verse in the story. Um, So, let's see. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Did you catch what happened there? A huge reason why we need to know about this type of crying is because when people watch it, it, it can point them to Jesus as well. Um, and so I, I did a little play with, played around with some words like, like Nathan and kind of summed up this, kind of summed up this, summed up this hunk of scripture. And it says, when Peter cried out, Jesus reached out, the winds died out, and people found out that Jesus is Lord. Now, Jesus is Lord, I learned later in seminary, is a major theme in Matthew that I didn't know before. Um, 
So it was really, really important that people were able to go to, that people were identifying him as Lord as a result of this. And it can be a theme for us too. So now in 2022, this is a picture of 2022. My family looks a little different now. Um, There's some new members in that. God has blessed, sorry. And the blessings continue because this, the man in that photo um, was blessed with another incredible man, kind and courageous and patient, um, who, who just loves us with everything he has. And I just, I know it can't be easy sometimes. I'm very thankful. But these days, crying out tends to take place. Crying out for me tends to take place after a period of time when I'm striving to be self-sufficient. And I've finally come to my end. That's usually when I remember to cry out. Um, And when this happens, I'm reminded of God's bigness and that humility is the opposite of self-sufficiency. And so I wrote that up there because it's just something I wish would just stick in my brain and stay there forever so I wouldn't go back to that self-sufficiency pattern. So I also have a little formula to help me in crying out as well. Um, um, So when things feel really hard and scary, or if you feel like worrying is taking over, or even if you're beating yourself up or an impossible situation, I have a little cheesy formula that I use. Um, And as the worship team comes up, I'll explain it. And it basically, if you remember the word car, it means to cry out to God, to ask him for help, and then the third one is remember what he has done and continues to do for you. I think of all, and to remember all the prayers that he did answer, and also the ones that you wanted answered that thankfully did not get answered. Um, so the song you're about to hear is a very special song that um, I kind of kept in my back pocket when I couldn't form the words to cry out. And my daughter Anna is singing it right now. And she, um, and we're thankful that Clay brought the gift of music into our house. So she's able to do that today. So thank you. <laughs> 